Welcome, Wildcats, to the Weber State Weekly Hoops Show, a uh, member of the Big Sky Podcast Network. I'm your host, a man who is undefeated in the Family Connect 4 competition, Colby Peterson. On the show today, we have a man who is undefeated in both smoking meatloaf and baking pumpkin spice bread, very relevant to this time of year, Dustin Chapman. Shout out to the old gristmill, as well as uh, Great Harvest for teaching me the, the ways of the pumpkin spice bread. But uh, yeah, we did both on Thanksgiving, good turkey and meatloaf, and the meatloaf uh, won, won out. Wow. But yeah, old gristmill, I mean, this is a free ad right now, but man, those pumpkin bars, undefeated. Those are undefeated. Uh, I think we can all agree that those are undefeated. Oh, yeah. Uh, And finally, we got a man who is undefeated in debates that Alex Ovechkin, Ovi, is the greatest goal scorer in NHL history, John King. Just go back, watch some of those highlights from Wayne Gretzky in the 80s playing against goalies who have no business ever playing in the NHL and then come back to me. That's my only evidence that I ever need. That and... Ovechkin already has 19 goals as a 36 year old and is on pace for over 50. The guy is an absolute machine. <laughs> I love, I love the, uh, always the era argument. The era argument's always a fun one. Well, uh, just, don't, just, just don't come at, just don't come at me with anything before goal g- goaltender started playing. He started using the butterfly style of goaltending. It's a different game. It's a totally different game. Fair enough. Uh, on today's show, um, we're going to be doing a recap of the Dixie State game. It was the only game this week. So men's hoops team took a trip down to the St. George to take on the Trailblazers. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, we might be joined by uh, senior guard Kobe McEwen for a player interview. We're going to hopefully have him on to talk a little bit about his journey from Canada to Utah, to Milwaukee, to Utah again. So hopefully we'll have him on shortly uh, after the recap and chat a little bit about that. And then I've got a game for the guys. We're playing hammer time. I want to get their hottest takes about this hoops team. So stick around for that. It's going to be a good one. I, and I, I threw a little, a little something extra, a little something down the road for you guys. Looking forward to those hot takes. But before we get into all that, I want to encourage everybody subscribe to the show, whether that's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. I went through and added the show to a bunch of new platforms last week. So there should be even more places to find Weber State Weekly. Go ahead and find us wherever you get your podcasts. We're also on social media. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Uh, we also have YouTube channels. You can watch these episodes if you miss them. You want to see it live and in person. You're not feeling like you're getting the full effect with the podcast. Find us on YouTube. We're there as well. Uh, and then also, uh, we've got a Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash Weber State Weekly. You can become a patron and join our game day chat, which uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to pivot to being a lot more hoops heavy as we go into the hoop season. But we did get news that we are going to be extending the volleyball season this week. So NIVC will be in Ogden. A couple of matches for the ladies in, in Club Swenson. So looking forward to that. But we can talk about all of that in the Slack channel. But you got to be a patron. So. Patreon.com slash Weber State Weekly to become one of those. And I also want to give a shout out to our sponsor, Wildcat Rack. You can go to wildcatrack.com. Check out some of the uh, apparel that exists there. Got some new designs that should be coming up soon. Now that I'm settled in Tennessee, we're going to put some new stuff out there. So check it out, wildcatrack.com. It's holiday season. Buy that perfect gift for the Wildcat fan in your life. All right, fellas, now that we've talked through all of that stuff, let's get to the game. Uh, Wildcats took the trip down to St. George, uh, taking on Dixie State, Burns Arena. Nice arena, Burns Arena. Would you guys agree with that? I, it was my first time kind of seeing it on TV. I've never been there, but uh, seemed like a seemed like it was really good. Totally. I, I, I was I was at one point a student of Dixie State University pre-mission, 
Thank you for the uh, full academic scholarship, Dixie State, for that one semester. Uh, <laughs> attended games at Burns Arena. The take I have, the state of Utah is blessed beyond measure with good arenas. I mean, especially as we see arenas around the West from some of the conferences, I cannot think of a state except probably North Carolina that has more high quality basketball venues in state. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. I mean, right. Cause you, like we're saying, Burns arena looked nice. I mean, America first uh, arena, whatever they call it on the campus of Southern Utah university. That's a nice arena. Uh, of course we've got our own with the D Huntsman Center is legendary. And of course, the Marriott Center. I mean, I, I don't know what the Wolverines play in, but I, I've seen their gym on TV and I think it's just, it's okay. It's not terrible. It's okay. UC, yeah. They play at the UCCU Center. It's nice. Yeah. It's, it's, it's serviceable for what it is. I mean, the Spectrum's probably. Yeah. And the Spectrum. The, the D Glenn Spectrum's probably, I want to say the worst, just in terms of like quality of building and what it is and layout, but it, it, it makes up for it, which is with the raucous atmosphere. Yeah. It's a hostile environment to play college basketball in, you know, and it's a, an advantage to the home team, which is what you want. But yeah, I thought that the arena looked nice and um, Wildcats, this is, I think now the second season guys, correct me if I'm wrong on that uh, second season at, at D one at the D one level for Dixie state soon to be Utah tech. Um, Talk to me a little bit about kind of what you saw. I want to kind of, kind of get your overall impressions before we get into some of the questions I got. Well, I think, you know, um, for only being only being a division one program for, like you said, this is this being their second year. I, I think that, you know, there are some, there are some things that Dixie state can kind of take from this moving forward. Like I know that they're one in five, um, but they do have a couple of nice, nice players um, uh, on their squad. I think um, uh, Dancel leader, um, which I mean, who names their who names their kid Dancel? Like, let's just, <laughs> let's just cruise right past that. I mean, that's one of the stranger names I think that I've, ever, uh, that I've ever seen before, but you know, 17 points on seven or nine shooting, like, you know, against uh, look, we, we've talked about this already. This Weber state team's good. I mean, it's really good. And so, you know, anybody who's going to score 17 points against this, the, the, this squad is, is a good ball player. And so, you know, I, I do think that, you know, uh, the one in five record for Dixie state may be a little bit deceiving. I think once they get into whack play, I think they'll have a little bit more success. I mean, I know that they've been traveling around. I believe that they've played Gonzaga already, right? Yeah. So they've, they, you know, they, it's not like their non-conference schedule has been particularly kind to them. So um, uh, uh, I think if you're a fan of Dixie state, I think that this is going to be a team, especially when you factor in like location of how awesome that St. George is. I, I think this is a team that, you know, over the next five years is going to get pretty competitive pretty quickly. Yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, I like would, you said, go, go ahead, go ahead Chappie. <laughs> I, I would I would say that uh, 100%. You know, they the commitment at Dixie State is there for athletics. You know, they yep. they have uh, some very nice basketball facilities. As we've talked about uh, they have a state of the art human human performance lab. Uh, they should should be overtaking uh, SUU here pretty quickly in terms of <laughs> in terms of hoops just because of the commitment. Also, uh, just being that close to Vegas. Like I I remember when I went to junior college there, you know, there was Tark, Tark was always stashing guys <laughs> at Dixie to try to get them to be eligible uh, way back in the day. And that they should 100% capitalize on 
on, on Las Vegas being a place and, and being kind of the second place where kids from Vegas want to go to school if they want to stay close to home. Yeah, man, because um, I think you're right. The facilities commitment to DSU is obviously there. Um, they're very serious. They've already got a good start with, you know, Burns Arena is already really good. They're, they're probably going to be making serious upgrades to their football uh, stadium very, very soon. But yeah, um, I think that you're right. Their lone win this season actually coming against Southern Utah, which is already sort of a, a rivalry of sorts. Um, and so it's like it's clear that like that's going to become something. Uh, those two schools are going to have some uh, some hot, hot heat between them, which is nice to see. Uh, especially if you're a school who's coming up from D2 and coming to the D1 level and you've already kind of got this regional rival built in just uh, just up the road. Uh, nice thing to have. But yeah, lone win coming against or coming for, for the Trailblazers coming against uh, Southern Utah. So that's kind of why I'm going to be honest, guys. I'm not high on Southern Utah this season. <laughs> they're, they're surprised. They're not doing great, surprisingly. But it's gold. <laughs> one, one other thing to add on Dix. I mean, it's, just like it's a it's a jump to go from FCS to FBS football sure. or FBS to P5 football or G5 to P5, you know, this is going to be a jump for them. This is not something that happens yeah. overnight. We watched it in football. I mean, the biggest thing, I got to see him play New Mexico in person last year. I was down there visiting family and they wanted to go to the game. And, you know, I, I was, you're, it's, it's funny. You're watching, you're watching guys on the court and you're just, the, the stature and what it was, they just, they just weren't division one athletes. I mean, you know, caliber from Pineview high and Gunster from snow Canyon. Like those guys are ballers. They're just, they're not division one athletes. <laughs> it takes a while to, to build up from that. It's lots of, uh, lots of, lots of guys with the last names of snow and ants on their Jersey. You know, it's just, they're, they're going to be going from a, a regional school to, something that's a little bit more than that and playing as a division one school. And it takes a while to build that up. Well, and it's, you know, and if you are a Dixie state fan, in, in my opinion, you know, in the ever changing landscape of college basketball, it's something that you can do a lot quicker than you probably could, you know, 10 or 15 years ago with the transfer portal. I mean, like, you know, you yeah. can just jump in the portal, you know, they have an attractive location as to where, you know, as to where their school is. Um, and I think that that's going to be something that they'll, be able to sell on the recruiting front um, for sure, you know, and be able to get some cast, you know, some, some cast offs from some of the, you know, bigger from some schools out West. And, you know, you can really, you can, especially in basketball, football is a little bit different just because there's so many people on the roster, but basketball, you can really flip your team over in one to two years and then, you know, really have something that looked completely different than what you did when you started, you know, you started the journey. Um, but, you know, cause it only takes, you know, three or four guys to totally transform a basketball team. And, you know, with how many people go into the transfer portal, you know, that's, probably going to be the easiest way for, for, for them to do things. Prime example. That's just watching Weber state over the past two years. Right. I mean, yeah, we, absolutely. We, we all criticized Randy Ray pretty heavily a couple of years ago for, because things just felt stale and credit to them. It's two years and raiding the portal twice and uh, we're undefeated and guys are looking good. Yeah, I mean, absolutely good point, right? Like you said, Chappie, the last season, uh, wasn't sure exactly how the Wildcat team was going to look. A, a painful exit from the conference tournament. Um, it, I, who did we lose to, like Sac State or something like that? Portland, no, we, we lost to Montana, didn't we? No, 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 the year before that, Oh, though. the year before that. Yeah. 
can't remember. And, uh, and, and then that was the year that, you know, COVID stopped the tournament and all that stuff. Uh, but still, you know, the Wildcats really struggled. Um, and they, they lost in the first round of the tournament, which is, you know, the kind of thing that rarely happens to a Weber state Wildcats team. So coach Ray and the team get back to the drawing board. They bring in a lot of guys, guys like Isaiah Brown, Sigo Sohojiwara, uh, when got Dante Bassett out of Florida, uh, and I'm getting Cody Carlson out of, uh, you know, a school out of Minnesota that, you know, probably nobody was really watching, but man, you know, this guy can play getting Zaire Porter, just a number of players, right. Bringing them in and saying, okay, this is how we're going to do it. And then that team was, you know, it was night and day difference. You know, this is, this team was obviously didn't get the result that they wanted in, in the conference tournament uh, going up against uh kryptonite wildcat kryptonite in Montana, but still a good team in the, in the conference tournament or i mean in the conference season um and like you said john you can just really kind of flip a team over really quickly and now they had built that base and now they just bring in a couple more key guys to make up for backcourt losses and man they've got uh we've got a team that's now six and oh undefeated let's talk a little bit about the game guys because this was uh, an interesting one one thing that i noticed and uh i wanted to kind of get your guys's take on this i mean the box score doesn't kind of really show this but wildcats seem to get better shots at and around the rim in the first half that seemed to be kind of their calling card they were really attacking the rim wanted to get to the rack and i think that the the free throws showed that that was the case but the ironic thing is that they ultimately actually lost the battle for points in the paint and so I wanted to, I kind of, kind of want to see what you guys thought. Like, did you feel that that was more a function of offensive rebounds? Was it just the way that they chose to play defense in the second half? Like what, what did you guys see in the second half that gave the trailblazers the opportunity to overtake the wildcats in a key statistical category points in the paint? A lot of it was, I think was just the way they were playing. They, as we've seen tends to be the trend so far this year, they're, they start out a little slow and then turn it on, um, you know, especially in the second half. Uh, the way that they were playing defense, it was a lot more up and down game in the second half. It it started to get wide open uh, and and Sigu was hitting threes left and right. <laughs> and and I think it just opened the game up quite a bit to where the Wildcats were, were absolutely fouling more. But, but it definitely has held true. This game held true to the pattern of, you know, Weber was in control halfway through the first half, but it wasn't like it was still close. They didn't start running away with it until about, you know, 12, 13 minutes left in the game. Yeah. And we kind of, Colby and you and I kind of talked about this off air, you know, before we started the show, but you know um, I mean, Weber, Weber state kind of, I mean, it was a close first half. I mean, you know, box score says, you know, 41, 35, but you know, if you watch the game, you, 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 you could kind of see that the, the the Wildcats were getting getting the better of the better of the looks, taking more of the high percentage shots, getting to the basket, getting to the free throw line in the first half. Um, and, and and you could you could tell even though the score was close that the Wildcats were the better team. And then once things got to the second half, things opened up a little bit, and that kind of let you know let the let 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 the better player shine you know and so um uh i do think that that's a really good judge of uh of a good basketball team you know just because how often are you you know are you constantly creating good looks for yourself because at the end of the day shooting shooting and shooting is gonna you know it's gonna ebb and flow some nights you're gonna make a lot of shots and some nights you're not gonna make a lot of shots but 
to consistently create high percentage looks, that's the sign of a good team because that is what's going to, you know, that's what's going to allow for a deep run in a conference tournament. That's what's going to allow for, you know, a, a lot of wins in the conference season because all those things kind of work themselves out. And I think if you're a Wildcat fan, I think that's something you have to really, really, really be impressed with um, so far early on in this season. Yeah, it's a good point, John. Like you said, um, creating high quality looks so that you have a, a greater opportunity because, I mean, anybody who watches basketball knows that, you know, a wide open three is very, very different from, you know, a contested jumper, right? And I think that the Wildcats have done a very good job of setting up the offense to, there's a lot of movement if you watch guys. It's not very stale. It's not a lot of, all right, we're just going to try and spread the floor and then we're going to send a guy in and just let the defense try and collapse on him, kick out and shoot the three. The offense is very, very different this season where there is a lot of probing, right? You'll see guys trying to, you know, find their way in and you have a couple of guys who are really aggressive. I was really impressed with JJ Overton's play. I thought that he was really aggressive, taking the ball to the rack. He was really good on defense. And then the other guy I was going to mention was Kobe McEwen, who same thing when he had the ball in his hands and he was getting downhill, he was going to the rack. Like there was no doubt in anyone's mind where he was, he was going to try and go and he wasn't going to try and kick out to somebody. But then there were other times where you could see the the chemistry with the team already taking shape. And I think this is also a part of having veteran guys come in who understand how to play the game and how to help out in some of those situations. So for example, McEwen is driving JJ Overton, who's standing in the corner, ready to shoot the three, which they shot very well. Those corner threes fell pretty well for the Wildcats in this, in this matchup. But Overton cuts back door as McEwen cuts the defense commits two and, you know, might've been three defenders. And then he just skip passes it to the undefended Overton who makes an easy layup, right? Those kinds of plays happen consistently. It happened with Overton. It happened with Carlson. It happened with lots of guys where they were cutting while the other man was cutting. And so it creates this opportunity where now the defense has to pick, are they going to go with the cutting McEwen or are they going to, you know, go back here with the guy who's cutting back door and try and keep the ball away from him, or at least contest the shot that's coming. And it's a difficult, it's a difficult thing for the defense because then they're either going to foul or they're going to have to pick their poison and they're going to get a high percentage shot. And so I would say that the offense looks completely different from what we saw last season and it's overall it's working, right? Because of course they are hitting shots. We, we, you know, they're hitting shots at a high percentage right now, but there's also a lot of movement, not, not only of the ball around the horn and finding the open man, because we saw some of that too, but also you're finding guys moving around within the offense to create opportunities, setting screens, getting good open looks like you're talking about, John, where it's like pass, pass, pass. And there's a guy who's wide open behind the arc. And so he's going to take the three because it's not a contested jump shot. Well, and, you know, kind of just kind of jump in real quick there as well. This is a this is a direct correlation to having a lot of ball handlers on this team. I and mean, when you look at this, when you look at the squad, when you look at the better players, whether it's Sigu, whether it's Kobe McEwen, whether it's, you know, JJ Overton, Zahir Porter, even Dylan Jones to some, uh, even D Dylan Jones to a certain extent, right. there's a lot of guys that can handle the basketball, which makes things really, really tough to defend. I mean, we kind of talked about this again off off air before we got on the show but like you know i feel like a couple of years ago when we had jared harding like jared harding was the ball handler he was that you know high usage guy who who you know 
pounded the rock and like that was the offense. But when you have a lot of guys that can handle the ball and then play make, you know, along, along with that, that just makes your offense, you know, so much easier to run because, you know, it's, it's just harder to, it's just so much harder to defend. I think that that's, you know, especially since we have transitioned to this kind of pace and space, you know, generation of basketball where, you know, the offense is all dependent on, you know, running things at a high tempo and a lot of movement, but then making sure that you're keeping that spacing to let people, you know, be creative and and do different things with the ball and making it harder on defenses to help and all those types of things. Like having a lot of playmakers is something that is becoming more it's, this is at every level of basketball, having a lot of playmakers is becoming more and more necessary. If you want to be a good, if you want to be a good team. Yeah. And I think going back to build on your point, I mean, for three, four five years now, it's been Weber state has not had the varied scoring options that they have right now. It was better last year. It was better last season. Isaiah Brown, Cody Carlson, you know, we had scores, but what, what always seems to have gotten us over the past three, four, five years is we were, we were, we were one dimensional, you know, meaning if the threes weren't falling, there was a good chance we were going to lose the game because we didn't necessarily have the ability to, to change it up. And this year it just feels different where McEwen and Overton specifically can take the ball by anybody and go to the rack. And that capability just opens up a whole whole other dimension on offense where we're not so dependent on the three pointer, you know, where it becomes Colby, like you're talking about corner threes that are, that are great for kickout passes, but they're not our bread and butter. And, and then throw in, you know, our tall guys throw in Carlson and I'm hopeful when Bassett gets back, it'll be the same thing. And our, our, our gentleman from, from great Britain, Alex too, like I, I, I believe the difference this year with this Wildcat team is going to be that we are multidimensional on scoring and it's going to open up a lot of things. If threes aren't falling, it's not going to be a rough night. Dylan Jones mentioned that last week, right? He's mentioned yeah. that it was like, oh, if this guy's not on, it's going to be a rough night. Like It doesn't have to be that. And I think that's what's always done the Wildcats in, especially in the big big sky tournament. You, you run up against a team and then shots aren't falling. They do something and game's over. Yeah, I want to talk a little bit about um, taking care of the ball because it felt like to me in the first half, the Wildcats, um, they were just trying stuff, right? Like they weren't they weren't really in, in any dire straits. The game was close. They're up a couple of points for most of the, of the first half. And so they're trying some passes that maybe they wouldn't normally cross court stuff just to kind of, you know, keep the ball moving. And it felt like turnovers in the first half kind of piled up and allowed the the trailblazers to stay in it because they were turning the ball over a fair bit themselves. They ended up with 18 on the night, which credit to the wildcat defense. We'll talk a little bit about that, but for the wildcats, they ended up, it seemed like they ended up cleaning that up in the second half, taking much better care of the ball, still sharing the ball at a fairly high clip, but also making sure that they weren't, taking those riskier passes that they had taken in the first half. And I kind of wanted to get your guys' take on that. Like, did you feel that there was concerted effort in the second half to take care of the ball more? And if so, how did it manifest itself in your view? Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in and just say that they, they definitely were 
the, the game was more open in the second half, right? But they were definitely trying to take care of the ball and, and it, it did slow things down at a certain point, especially once they got up. Uh, but I don't, it's always, we've talked about it a couple of times on the show already, but it feels like they, they absolutely up the defensive intensity in the second half. And that's ultimately what helps the offense pull away. Yeah. What yeah. about you, John, what do you think? To speak really quickly on, you know, that, that defensive, uh, you know, intensity. And I think this is going to be continue to be a theme for the Wildcats over, 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 over the season. I think that, you know, this is a stat that we should definitely be watching is points off turnovers. I mean, the Wildcats had 25 points off turnovers, which is, you know, really it's, that's that's a that's a really good that's a really good number that's a you know for forcing 18 turnovers like that's a super efficient pace you know to be uh to be to be playing at so you know i think that that's that's going to be a key key stat because we did talk we did talk a little bit last week about you know the one thing that the wildcats have kind of struggled with so far this year has been rebounding um and uh and and, and clearing the defensive glass but one way that you can you can account for not great, uh, not great rebounding numbers is from forcing turnovers and then getting points off those turnovers. Cause at the end of the day, it's all about creating extra possessions. No, yeah. Fair, fair point. And like you said, John, I mean, the, the, the margins show themselves, right? The Wildcats ended up with 25 points off of turnovers. The Dixie state trailblazers only had 10 and, of course, like there were opportunities, there were, you know, the margin of turnovers was only seven, 18 to like 11, but Wildcats just cashed in on those opportunities. And I think that a lot of that is the quality of turnover, right? Because Wildcats were getting a lot of deflections, a lot of, you know, the kinds of deflections that create fast break points, you know, and high percentage shots at the rim. So, uh, whereas, you know, maybe the trailblazers were getting more of the kind of turnover that they were getting a guy who was driving in the paint, uh, you know, ah, uh, he, you know, the ball came off his leg or they got, they got their hand in a passing lane or something like that, but they were much deeper into the court and the ball wasn't, you know, bouncing out. And so they weren't able to just pick it up and run, even though they did run a fair bit in the second half, it seemed that seemed to be where they were getting their success, especially when it came to points in the paint, but they weren't getting the same types of turnovers that the wildcats were. And I think that's why you see that disparity. I want to turn now guys to talking a little bit about we talked about attacking the rim, but I want to talk about the results of that, which are going 10 of 13 at the, at the free throw line. Uh, It feels different. It feels different than years previous where the, the attack of the rim creates more of these free throw opportunities because obviously we know that Cody John and Jarek Harding were prolific scorers at the, at the basket. They were guys who got to the free throw line last year. Isaiah Brown was very good at doing that. Right. But I don't know. Does it feel different to you guys this year? Uh, This, this, this attacking the rim and getting to the free throw line because it, it, it does to me. And I think the reason it feels that way is because it feels like it happens earlier in the shot clock. It's not a desperation. It's more deliberate as opposed to being something that, okay, this play broke, this play broke. Okay. This is just how we're going to run it. I mean, John King, what, I mean, what do you think? Is there a difference in the, the types of plays that the, are getting the Wildcats to the free throw line this season? Well, I think the difference is that there's more people that can do it, which, you know, we've yeah. talked a lot about, you know, variability on offense and not necessarily, you know, if you're, if you're, 
if you're scouting the Wildcats and trying to game plan against them, good luck right now because it's just you have so many guys that can hurt you and in and, 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 and a variety of different ways. And I think that that's just so like, it's, that's such a big deal. That's such a big deal for this team. So I think that, you know, it just makes things easier just because there's so many guys that can, you know, that, that, that can get, they can get there. I mean, they can, they can get all the way to the basket, but not, yeah, that just, I think that that, and, and I think that's going to be big because there are going to be nights. I mean, we, we, I'm sure we're going to talk about the three point shooting at some point. The three point shooting has been lights out so far this season um, through six games, but there's going to be nights where that's not the case. And so you're going to have to make up for that by getting to the free throw line, by getting easy, you know, e- easy, e- easy baskets in the paint. And I think that, you know, that's something that this the, the the free throw numbers while you know the Wildcats haven't shot the best percentage from the free throw line so far this season only shooting about 68%. I do think that that number is going to go up. But getting those um uh getting but getting those um you know the number of attempts that the Wildcats have been able to get so far th- that's a big that that's a big deal and once again that's another sign of a good basketball team. Brian, it's what it shows is we've we we always use the term on the show hero ball, right? Like there, there there's less hero ball this year because there's more heroes, just like you said, John. You know, there's more more guys. It feels like that can do it, and it doesn't feel like there's you know a a, a Jarek Harding where it's him and four other guys, you know, and he's he's the main one. It it it, it doesn't feel like there's you know, we certainly see that that, that Kobe McCune tends seems like he's the the leader of of the team, but it, it's not like he doesn't he doesn't feel like he's the alpha, the, the dominant player, the only guy that's going to get the ball and score, which is what we've had. And even last season, I mean, Isaiah Brown is was an absolutely phenomenal player, but there were times where we watched him have to take over the game or have to try to take over the game, and nothing this year has felt like that yet. Doesn't feel like there has to be anybody taking it over because there's more guys that can take over. Yeah. I mean, we've seen it already guys scoring. I mean, I have a note in here, five wildcats and double figures in this one. Sigu led the way with 23 points. I think he led all scorers, but I mean, a number of guys and we've talked about it now. This is the second week in a row that we're talking about the variability, like John said, and the opportunity that wildcats have to hurt you in a number of different ways, because I'll say that you know Dylan Jones had had a little bit of an off night. He didn't. He had some some early foul trouble, which I mean, some of those fouls were really like seriously. Like there was an offensive foul that was like, wow, that that's uh, that's something. So part of that, you know, the refs kind of taking him out of the game, but also you know struggles hitting hitting shots that normally fall for him. But even still, like five guys in double figures, and it makes you know makes all the difference. You know, and I'm checking out this this stats here. Yeah, like. The the Trailblazers didn't have anybody score more than 17. Their next closest score was only 11. They only had two guys in double figures, you know? So it's just, it just shows the depth that the Wildcats possess this season and their ability to hurt you so many different ways if a guy is having a night, a bad night. Um, one last thing I wanted to talk about. Um, well, 
We've talked about that. We've talked about that. Chappie, I wanted to I wanted to bring you in because you you had you had a point to make about in-state games because I felt like this this was a good in-state game. This was a game that I think the Wildcats should continue to schedule. It's a it's a good one. Um, but what are your thoughts on in-state games? Man, Utah has such a unique opportunity here. And look, I know that the tournament at the Delta Center didn't work out, and it didn't work out. Delta Center threw it out. Old school. So, so that's what it is. <laughs> that's what it and always yeah, will be. Um, <laughs> you talk clout right there. That's a that's a dude who was there, right? But uh, but like it didn't work because of the format. You know, just having yeah. teams play it needed to be a tournament. It needed to be a, a round robin tournament style thing for it to work. They couldn't get anybody to agree to that, so they didn't do it. But folks, there is there are seven Division One basketball schools in this state now. That is, that is an amazing number. That is a number that, again, very few other states, especially states with the population that Utah has, just doesn't exist. So uh, we need to be playing the in-state games and the teams that aren't playing the in-state games, oh, I'm calling you out, Utah. Like, yeah, it's Utah, be, right? Everybody else is playing. playing. Everybody. Like, quit feeling like you're better than everybody else and play, just play. You know, they're, they make the preseason fun. You know, as we get into conference play, I enjoy conference play, but the, the preseason, the looking at December and knowing that we have BYU and Utah state at home, like that's fun. And, fun and, yeah. uh, and, and if knowing that, you know, I don't know when I, th- I think we're just going to apparently play at Dixie and all sports for like the end of time. I don't know. I don't know what, what <laughs> next athletic, year it's happening next year. They come in Ogden next year. I'm not sure what our athletic department did to decide that, yeah, we're going to let a school move up and play, <laughs> play there for two years in a row in both sports, but whatever, that's beside the point. Um, like it, these games are fun and they're entertaining and it's unique to Utah. So it need, they, they need to be played and they, they need to be something fun. I, my, I hope that as Brigham Young transitions into, you know, a bigger league that they don't start big time in schools too. I don't, it doesn't, you don't get the feeling that they're going to do that, but, but Utah sure did. And, uh, it, it's it's lame you know the play the in-state games man like have fun with it let them be fun yeah because they are fun right i mean we've seen with dixie state we've seen with obviously southern utah i hope that that's a series that will continue and at least be obviously them being in the conference there were two games in on the slate each season with them hopefully it, it it's at least one it'll probably only be one but Hopefully that's something that continues. And I think that it will, but beyond that, I mean, Utah state has never been a team that's like, Oh, we're not going to play like they'll play. And like you said, Chappie, even Brigham young going on to the big 12, uh, they have not shirked playing the in-state games. They've played, you know, they just played Utah last week. And obviously that's a game that they're going to play, but they'll be playing us and they're, and they're coming to the D they're coming to the purple palace and they they'll play Utah state. And so I wonder if Craig Smith, uh, you know, there's sort of the changing of the guard down in Salt Lake is going to change that and maybe soften the view of what it, what they think should happen when it comes to playing the in-state teams, because it's fun. And I think that uh, it's, uh, it's competitive, you know, even a team like UVU can beat you on a given night. I mean, I was there when they beat the Wildcats in the purple palace, obviously not happy about that happening, but it happened. And it just goes to show that anybody can beat anybody in college basketball on a given night. Well, and there's a pecking order and and look, it's in general, Weber state is not competing against Utah for the same recruits, right? Like it's, there's, there's a pecking order to this. And, and I think that's probably why they don't want to do it, but 
I mean, just, just play the games, let the kids have fun and let them, let them, you know, take the short bus ride somewhere. Why, you know, why be playing other big sky or West coast conference schools and not playing the, the, the schools in your own state? I mean, take the regional games and make them in state. There's a lot of them to have. And it, it just, it makes the, it makes the December, the November, December games a whole lot more fun than, you know, playing Northwest Baptist state Yellow, or Yellowstone. That was our other one. Yellowstone. Oh, yeah, it wasn't even in, wasn't even close to Yellowstone. Like Billings is not close to Yellowstone. <laughs> well, I think that you're, if, if college basketball continues at the clip, that it had this season in the state of Utah. Uh, it's actually sort of a, a nice resume builder for those teams that can kind of separate themselves within the state and beat some of those in-state teams because they can point to those in-state games and say, yeah, we did beat a good, you know, Utah state team, or we did beat a good, you know, SUU team or Utah or whatever, because then they can say, yeah, we, we did those things and it's not a minus. Uh, we beat them. It's not holding us back. It's not like we played in an NAIA school. Like that's a quality program and we got the dub. And so good to see it. Uh, I want to transition now, guys. Uh, I want to go to our game, which is hammer time. Hottest takes. I got some, uh, I got some, I want to hear you guys' hot takes because it's been a hot star for this Wildcat team. And so I uh, wanted to bring this game back and kind of see where you guys are at right now in this young season. And so I want to talk about the offense specifically. John King, I want to start with you, man. What is your hottest take for this Wildcat offense? Well, I, I don't, I don't really consider this to be a super hot take because I, I do think this is going to be a true take over over the course of the year. But I think true the take, I this, I think with the number of shooters that this team has, I think this team is going to shoot more, higher than forty percent um, uh, um, from beyond the arc on the season. I think that you're going to be looking at when we're running the statistics at the end of the season, I think you're going to be looking at one of the better three point shooting teams in the country. I'm not going to say that they're going to be in the top 10, but they're going to be a lot closer to the top 10 than, 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 than they are to, uh, you know, the, the bottom half. So I think this is one of the best. I, I truly believe this is one of the, the, the better three point shooting teams in the country, just because there are so many different guys who can shoot it. And I, I think that that's going to be something that we continue to, you know, that we continue to watch throughout um, uh, uh, that we continue to watch throughout the year. Cause I think that that's going to be a big part of what makes this wildcat team go. Yeah, I got to agree with you there, John. Not necessarily the hottest take because like you said, this team, I mean, they shot 40, what did they shoot? 45% in that game against Dixie State. I, I'd have to look up the number on what they're shooting. Well, season, and, but it's and high. Cats are shooting 39.5% from beyond the arc on the season. So, you know, you uh, I, th I think that, that number is going to climb. I mean, it's not going to be, you know, 45% because nobody shoots 45%. But I do think that that is, is, is really something that... Um, that we're going to be watching towards the end of the year, because I think that we're going to be towards the top of, you know, I think we're going to be towards the top of three point shooting in the entire country uh, come the end of the year. Yeah, that's fair. Chappie, what about you? What's your uh, hottest take for this wildcat offense? So it's going to sound like I'm bandwagoning here because he was the leading scorer last game, but I, I think that Sigu is going to end up being our, our high, our high score on average in offense this year, he's going to lead the team in, in average scoring. And it's not, it's going to, he's not going to be the high score every night, but he's going to benefit from just what we talked about. He's going to benefit by, 
hanging out at the three point line when Kobe McCune drives or JJ Overton drives and he's going to be out there waiting for it and he can hit that shot. Uh, also you can just tell, and it was so much fun. We need to have him back on the show. It was so fun when we interviewed him last year because you could just see a kid, you know, we all wondered at the start of the year why Randy was still playing him because he just was having so many off nights, but you could see that it was, it was where he came from. You could see that he was, he was homesick and that, you know, he, he had had not a great experience where he was at before he transferred to Weber and he just needed to feel comfortable. And we saw him come on the second half of last year as he got comfortable here. And, you know, he's clearly comfortable here now. And we're going to see that kid just to me, he's going to be the, 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 the leading scorer on offense this year. Guys, these are not very hot takes. I think most people would pick Colby McEwen to be your leading scorer this year. I don't know, man, because I think that you're right. That's uh, that Sigu has really shown himself to be an apt scorer. He's very efficient when he scores. Um, and he's also, you know, shooting the ball really well from behind the arc. And so he's a presence that they have to respect and they have to go out and guard him. But he also, I think that his mid-range game has maybe taken a step up this season already because it feels like he's hitting sort of these Mike Conley-esque floaters, you know, from, you know, 14, you know, 15 feet out that are just like, that's a tough shot to, to block because it's just perfectly placed that you can't touch it. But I want to go now, guys, to the defensive side of the ball. John King, I want to get your hottest defensive take with this Wildcat squad. Um, I think that, you know, I mean, I don't know if I've mentioned, I've definitely mentioned it off air, but I haven't mentioned it. I'm not sure if I've mentioned it on the podcast yet. Um, the, I, I do think that the Wildcats are, 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 are still without maybe their best defensive player and Dante Bassett. And I think that once he comes back, I think you're going to be looking at a team that, with the way that they play perimeter defense with, you know, especially with someone like Dylan Jones kind of leading that, leading that charge as someone who can kind of do it all on the defensive end. That's going to, that's going to lead the conference and um, uh, in, 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 in defense more than likely this year. Like I, I think that, you know, I think Dante adds an aspect to this, um, uh, adds an aspect to this team that is just with rim protection and athleticism and just, you know, just that anchor that allows, you know, that allows the offense to just, sorry, that allows the defense to just be that much more aggressive on, 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 on that end of the floor, um, forcing turnovers and, you know, um, really being able to, get up in the grill of somebody, you know, of, of some of these opposing, uh, opposing teams. I think when you, I think the defense has been really good so far, but when he comes back, it's going to be, in my opinion, a monumental job. Okay. Hope to see it. Chappie. What about you? Your hottest defensive take for this one? I'm scared now. I'm scared if it's going to be hot or not. My hot take is that it's not going to be Dante. He's going to be our download defensive presence this year. It's going to be our guy, buckets Carlson there that that generally is more of a scoring threat, less defensive. But if you've watched him in this preseason, he's, he's leaner guys. Like he's, he's lost some weight. He's leaner and, and more trim. And he's, you know, he's, he's definitely more nimble and agile going around the court. And I think that that's going to get, get him and keep him on the court more. I, you can already see that it's, you know, taking time from, from our guy, Michael Kozak, who's, been at the program since before we were all born 
Um, but it's, you know, he's, I think Cody Carlson's going to, to take the step up uh, because of his clear offseason work and, and be the big defensive presence, be a bigger defensive presence this year. No, footwork is important. And like you said, Chappie, I mean, being a guy who has dropped uh, maybe a few, a little bit of weight, maybe add a little bit of muscle, added some agility. That's obviously going to play well for a defender. I got to tend to agree with John though, man, when Dante Bassett comes back, this is going to be quite the team because not only does Dante Bassett play really good defense, he can shoot the three. That's just one more guy out there that can spread the floor that they have to go out and guard. Yeah. Carlson hit a few threes in this in this last game against Dixie State. Bassett can do the exact same thing. And maybe, just maybe, the Big Sky refs will be used to Dante this year, and they won't call him for five fouls within three minutes of being on the court. Holy cow, no kidding. John, can you add anything to add to that? No, I, I, I was just going to say, you know, um, I think that was one thing that was really um, impressive with, with Dante last year. I think he averaged around nine points a game as someone who, you know, when he was recruited here, I don't think any of us really thought that he was going to be anything on the offensive end. I mean, you right. know, less than two points a game at Florida. Um, so, you know, that's also, that's also a really nice added piece that he, he will bring this team um, when, when he, when he finally does return. I think it's just a tip of the cap to the, to the coaching staff at Weber state, you know, just getting guys in, developing them, seeing something in them, spending the time developing guys, not just somebody who can just come in with raw talent and start to score, but really getting guys ready to play and uh, helping them get better. I think that's why if you're, if you're thinking about coming to Weber state, that's a good reason why. Uh, last one, guys, really quickly. I want to hear your conference tourney hot take. Chappie, let's start with you. Real quick. Is it a hot take? They're going to win the tournament. We're, go- we're going we're okay. going to the NCAA tournament this year. I don't know how hot of a take that is, t- saying an undefeated team, but we, we haven't been there for a while, and we're going to we're going to crush Montana. Travis DeCura mentions always that he specifically last year that he recruits to beat, to beat Weber state. Weber state's got a lot more dimensions to him this year. So I don't think Montana is going to be able to be the kryptonite that they've been. All right. Wildcats, Wildcats win the conference chip. John King, what do you got? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I, 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 I don't necessarily think it's a hot take, but you know, I think in the early season, I think we're definitely the favorites, um, you know? And so um, I think that, you know, look, I, one thing I'm really excited about, you know, this year and, you know, I know you'll, when we wrap the show that you'll talk about this Colby, but um, you know, I'm excited for this little like early conference play teaser that we have this week. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I mean, I, 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 I know that conference, we, you know, we don't normally get in the mindset of conference play until after new year's, but you know, we are going to have to be in the the mindset this week, but I am excited about that because, you know, at the end of the day, like the non-conference schedule is nice, you know, all of those things, but you know, conference play is where your season is, is is decided. So, you know, really excited to see, you know, both the game against Northern Arizona and Portland state this week. Cause I, I, you know, that's where, you know, that's where we're going to stack up. That's where we're going to, when we look back at the season here at the, uh, here at the end in a couple months, we'll be saying, Oh, we did this in the conference like that. And because of that, that was a good season. And so, you know, I, I'm very excited for both games this week. I, I, I just, I think it's going to, you know, if you're in Ogden, which I know not everybody is, but 
get out to the D and make sure that you're there, you know, to show some, to show some support um, because, you know, the games account, they start in three days. Yeah. And I think athletics ran a thing this weekend where they were having some kind of ticket deal where it's like, you could get tickets to both games for like some really cheap price, like 20 bucks, 25 bucks, something like that. It's uh, it's going. uh, Yes. It's, $25 $25 for for Utah State, BYU, and Fresno State. Oh, I thought it was the, there was like a friends and family thing that they were. Oh, there is this week. That, that's right. Yeah. There's another one as well this week where it's five for 35. This yeah, week. there you go. That's what it is. Yeah. So it's like a get everybody out to the D kind of thing. That's great. All right, guys. Well, let's, let's talk about the upcoming schedule and wrap up the show of, like John noted, this Thursday, December 2nd, men's basketball is going to be taken on NAU in the D. That'll be a seven o'clock. Up at the Purple Palace, ESPN Plus, and 103 won the wave. Women, of course, if that if we're playing in conference, that means the women will be hitting the road and going down to Flagstaff, taking on the Northern Arizona Jacks down there. That game will be at 6 p.m. ESPN Plus. Then Saturday, December 4th, Portland State comes to town with their new coach. And uh, we're going to see how that works out. That, that game will be at 7 p.m., I believe. And then uh, women, of course, taking the trip down to Portland or they're t- t- taking the trip. Man, a rough, rough week for the ladies. They got to go to Northern Arizona. Then they got to go up to Portland. Like, man, I hope they're flying. That's a heck of a bus ride. Uh, that game will be on ESPN Plus on Saturday. Then Wednesday, December 8th, men's basketball taking the trip to Pullman. Wildcats taking on Washington State in the Palouse. Uh, Going to be... 8 p.m. Pac-12 Network and 103 won the wave. And the ladies on the road again at Colorado State in Fort Collins, 6 p.m. I didn't see any place where you could watch that game. Uh, but just so you know, Wednesday, December 8th, both those games happening. So that's the upcoming schedule for hoops, both men and women's. Go ahead and email us, WeberStateWeekly at gmail.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We've got the Patreon, patreon.com slash WeberStateWeekly. And we've got a blog. I think I'm going to do some content. I'm going to do some uh, recruit interviews. And I'm going to be releasing those to our patrons first. So they will get a chance to view them a few days before everybody else. So uh, if you want to be in on that, patreon.com slash WeberStateWeekly. But... We'll have some more content up on WeaverStateWeekly.com soon. All right, fellas. It's good times. Good to chat with all of you guys. Really appreciate the time. Let's wrap it up like we usually do. Weber State, Weber State. Great. Great. <laughs> Great. Go Wildcats. Oh!